Good to see you today. Welcome to Open Bible on this beautiful Sunday morning. The sun is shining somewhere. <laughs> Say amen to that. You know, above those clouds, there's sunshine. I know there is. Amen. Longing to see it. We had it for a few days, right? Well, amen. We're glad you're here this morning. If you're visiting with us, uh, we are honored to have you. I know we have at the end of the service this morning uh, several young people getting baptized, or several people getting baptized. And uh, I know there are some family members here to uh, witness that, so we welcome you. And we're sure glad that you're here. You're a special guest at Open Bible. I know you were encouraged to fill out a Connect card, right? And so if you, would, if you do that, we really would appreciate it. And we do have a gift for you back at the welcome desk. You can pick that up on the way out this morning. First Thessalonians chapter number 1. If you can join me there, let me say hi to those who are visiting with us online. Folks watch the service online. I was at Wawa the other day, grabbing my morning Joe. And I was minding my own business, making my cup of coffee, and someone said, I know you. And you really, yeah, I get real careful when, you know, they say that because you have no idea where they're going next. I don't know if they saw my picture at the post office. I'm not sure. But I said, really? I said, how do you know me? He said, I see you on TV. Oh. What he meant was he watches our services online, Right. And, uh, and so that was, that was nice, right? He doesn't come to our church. He does work for someone who uh, attends our, our church. And so that was neat. I'm glad they watch online. So if you're watching online, we welcome you. I want you to read along with me this morning. I'm going to read the whole chapter. It's only 10 verses. And the reason I'm going to do that is because I'm, I'm kind of in the middle of a, a, a series of messages we began a couple weeks ago, and it's the theme of our church, the hometown, that's our theme for 2024, hometown focus. Hometown focus. We're placing emphasis this year at Open Bible on our families, our families, and then our church family, our church, and then our community. And when we say our community, we're talking about Gloucester County, Camden County, New Jersey, you know, look at it this way, wherever we can hug, right? And, uh, and we're not against all the other states. We love them, especially Florida. <laughs> Say amen right there. But we're trying to focus, emphasize focus this year on our hometown. Last couple of weeks, we, uh, we talked a little bit about family, you know, and our family, how to strengthen our families. And that's really important today. You know, strengthening our families because the family in our society just seems to be, you know this, right? It just seems to be falling apart. And so we want to make sure here at Open Bible we afford you the uh, tools and the help to build and strengthen your family. But then also uh, the church. We want to talk a little bit about the church and the importance of strengthening our church. And so last week, we, we, uh, we highlighted a few things. In fact, last week, we talked about the different perspectives on the church. And I thought that was interesting. I don't know if you enjoyed it, but I sure did. Kind of getting a feel as to what, you know, how people view the church. And the key to that is this. Now think about this. Everybody's got an opinion. Everybody's got a perspective. Your perspective is your, it's your way of viewing things. What's important is this. What's developed your perspective. So you say, what's your opinion on the church? What's your view on the church? Mm, but the follow-up question is, how did you develop that perspective? And some people have developed their perspective on the church, and if it's negative, some folks have developed their view on the church because they got hurt by a church. Or they've been disillusioned 
at their church. That's a big word. Say it with me. Disillusioned. They got disillusioned at their church. You know, somebody said something or didn't say something right? Maybe they attended one, one service and, and heard a message that just, I don't know, just rubbed them the wrong way. Did you ever hear a message that rubbed you the wrong way? But haven't you heard many that have rubbed you the right way? If you go to the right church, you will, right? And so, what is your perspective on the church, and how have you developed your perspective on the church? That's key. Because what we want, right, what we want is to have a biblical perspective. I said this last week, and I believe this with all my heart. Whatever Jesus says about the church is what I want to believe, right? Whatever Jesus says about marriage is what I want to believe. Whatever Jesus says about the Christian life is what I want to believe. And then if I believe it, there's more, I guess there's more propensity or, 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 or probability uh, that I'll practice it, right? Because you'll never practice something you don't believe, not for long anyway. It's hard enough to practice what you do believe. Isn't that right? And so, what, what's the Bible say? That's the key. And here in this text of Scripture, the church in Thessalonica uh, just seems to be a model church, a model to follow. And that's kind of the, the key to the message this morning. Let, let's read together. You ready? I'm going to read out loud. You follow with me. Paul, Silas, and Timothy, unto the church of the Thessalonians, which is in God the Father and in the Lord Jesus Christ. Let me pause and make commentary. It's good to be in God the Father, in the Lord Jesus Christ. You know what that's a reference to? That's a reference to salvation. <laughs> yeah, right? You know, you get in, you didn't, you, what, what's the opposite of, of, of being in? I don't want to be out of God. I don't want to be out of Christ. I want to be in God the Father and in the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's read on. He said, we give thanks, verse 2, we give thanks to God always for you all. He was Southern, y'all, making mention of you in our prayers. And here's what he was remembering. He was remembering their work of faith, their labor of love, and their patience of hope in the Lord Jesus Christ in the sight of God and our Father. Knowing, brethren, beloved, your election of God. He said, for our gospel... Now, listen, there's only one gospel, and the gospel is a message. And the message is the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. Right? Uh, we talk about, we preach the gospel. We preach the same gospel that you'll find in Scripture and that every other church in the world ought to preach because Paul said there is only one gospel. There is no other. Because it's a good news message how Jesus died on, on, on the cross, was buried, and on the third day he rose again. And everybody said, amen. That's why the music team got a little excited here a little bit ago. Right? They were singing about their salvation and the victory that we have in Christ. So when Paul says in, in this text, for our gospel, he's just talking about the, go the gospel, came not in word only. It wasn't just us preaching it, but also in power and in the Holy Ghost and in much assurance, as ye know what manner of men we were among you for your sake. And notice verse 6, he said, and ye became followers of us and of the Lord, having received the word in much affliction with joy in the Holy Ghost, and look, verse 7, he said, you became in samples to all that believe in Macedonia and Achaia. For from you sounded out the word of the Lord, not only in Macedonia and Achaia, but also in every place. Your faith of God, to Godward is spread abroad so that we need not speak anything. He said, you're living, you're living in such a way, you are such a testimony that wherever you have been, we've not had to say a word because your testimony validated the power of the gospel. 
Isn't that wonderful? I could say a lot about that, but I won't. Verse 9, for they themselves show of us what manner of entering in we had unto you, and how you turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God, and to wait for his Son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, even Jesus, which delivered us from the wrath to come. Now, this is going to be a two-part message. I'll finish it up next week because there are a whole lot that can be said about this church in Thessalonica. But I will, I will say this about that church. It's no longer there. It's no longer there. This is a first-century church that's no longer there. However, its influence, his influence, the, the influence of this church is still in existence today because it has formed, it has become a model to follow. And there's some things about this church just rich and wonderful. And I'm going to highlight three things, just one thing today, three things about this church today and next week that I think we've, we've already, we've, we've, we've kind of wrapped our arms around it. We embody it, but I would hope that we can get stronger in that example. Amen? Uh, we took a look last week at the perspective on the church, and, and, and boy, I'll tell you what, everybody's got an opinion about the church, right? However, even though attendance across our nation is at an all-time low, are you aware of that? Church attendance across the nation is at an all-time low. What's contributed to that was COVID. You know, COVID did a number on the church. And I said this when it, when it came. I was pastoring in Florida when that happened. And it wasn't, I'll tell you what, it was a, pastoring in Florida during COVID was a good place to pastor during COVID. Because, you know, we lived in the free state of Florida in COVID. And they didn't, the government didn't put a whole lot of restriction on us. And so we didn't, we weren't forced to do some of the things you guys were forced to do up here in the north. However, however, we still got hit pretty good with the lack of interest and attendance of, of church members. In fact, when I left there a year and a half ago, there were still some, uh, Dr. Riddell, there were still some members at, I pastored a church we call a BBC, uh, there were still some members that hadn't returned to BBC in person. They, they, just got, they just got plugged into the online services. And that's what they made church. And I, I'm here to tell you today that as a result of that, uh, the attendance, uh, church attendance across our nation today is at an all-time low. Are you aware of that? It is. Now, that doesn't mean every church, but I'm talking about an average. And, uh, but here's the truth of that. Even though the attendance is at an all-time low and churches are closing every year in record number, there are no shortage of churches in America. In fact, there is a church uh, for, for everyone's liking. We call it the Flavor of the Month Church. So if you don't like it here and you come and say, Pastor Giannizzi, I really, I'm looking for a church. I want to be a member of the church, a member of a church, uh, but I can't fit into this church here. Uh, I would say to you, well, what are you looking for? Vanilla, chocolate, strawberry, mint chocolate chip. What are you looking for? And I'll give you the address. I'll give you a website because there's a church out there somewhere that will fit your flavor. Personally, I like chocolate peanut butter. You know, I'm a Reese's guy. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so, uh, I read a book. Uh, it's a good book. I don't know if you read books or not. It's called The, Com the Comeback Church. Comeback Churches. It's an awesome book. It's kind of geared for church leaders. And I like it because in the book, he makes it really interesting. It's very practical. And in the book, what he does is this. He looks at the church today in America, 
And he kind, of, he kind of puts them in neat little categories, and he calls it, I think the list is called something like the Dirty Baker's Dozen or something like that. And, and he begins to list churches based upon their philosophy. And I thought I'd interest you just for a few minutes this morning. I won't take a long time on this. But here's, here's some of the churches. Here's how he labels the church in America. Different flavors. He labeled one, he labeled one the institutionalized church. And you can go in a lot of directions like that. I would go this way. There are people in my church who need to be institutionalized. <laughs> that's what I would say. But that, that's not what he was talking about. In fact, I would be the leader of that group. Uh, he says this, the institutionalized church focuses on the programs of the ministry. It's all about activity. Now, I could take a long time, and if you wanted to, we can make this message like five weeks, and I could talk about these things, but we won't. Uh, he talks about this. I like this one. I've seen this one in existence. The us for and no more church. The us for and no more church. In fact, I told, I met with a pastor one time who just, the pastor of the church died. The interim pastor came up. I was trying to help him, Dr. Riddell, and I kind of picked up the us for and no more kind of uh, attitude. And here's what I said to him. The us for and no more philosophy is good until us for are no more. Right? So what is their, what is their uh, here, here's their idea. Uh, look here. If the church gets any larger, we're going to lose our sweet little fellowship. Huh? And so when, when new families come in, when guests come in, I mean to tell you, you know, we're so clicked up that you just can't find your way because they don't want you to find your way. They love the little us for and no more. And that's the way they want to keep it. Uh, here's another one. I like this one. The We Can't Compete Church. It's kind of like the mom and pop store who was in the community where the big box stores came in, and they just decided they can't compete. And so what? What did they do? They just gave up. A lot of churches like that just, just gave up. They gave up trying to reach their community. They gave up trying to build their church. They gave up trying to... Are you with me? We Can't Compete Church. Here's another one. The Decently and in Order Church. You can figure that one out, right? The decently and in order church. They have a high regard for process. The process, but they lack the passion. And, and here's the thing. They run everything by the book, but unfortunately it's not the Bible. It's their book of do's and don'ts and rules and regulations and traditions. Huh? Are you, are you enjoying this? I'm having a good time. Here's one. Uh, the Time Warp Church. I, I, again, I just read these. I just... I just pulled them out of a book. Uh, and here's the Time Warp Church. They have preserved the tenets of the faith. Pay attention. This could be a lot of Baptist churches. They preserved the tenets of the faith, the positions and practices and protocol calls of years gone by, and they expect everyone to adapt to it. Did you get that? Now, listen carefully. The tenets of our faith are vitally important here at OB. I mean, we are what we are because of this book. And there are, there are, we have history that we, we admire and appreciate and we try to drag into our future. However, we need to make sure we keep it fresh and, re, and, and relevant and understand that, you know, this is not a one-stop shop, a one-size-fits-all. Are you with me? <laughs> but the, tor- the Time Warp Church believes this. If it's good for me and my family, it's good for you. No adjustments. Um, and then... You, you ready for this one? It's the my way or the highway church. Huh? 
right? Uh, I think Frank Sinatra used to attend there. <laughs> you know, do it my way, the my way or the highway church. And you, I don't think I need to say too much about that, right? Uh, you, either, you either get with it or you, there's the door. Isn't that sad? See, people don't matter when it comes to that philosophy. There's the play it safe church. They don't have enough faith to believe that God will provide. So what they try to do is they try to just wrap their arms around everything they have and just preserve it. You know, so we got a little bit of money in the bank. We got to preserve it. So we can't have kid programs and we can't have outreaches because it's going to cost money. And all we have is this little bit left. And once we're through it, are you with me? Now listen carefully. What I just described for you would be a list of unhealthy churches. Unhealthy churches. You know, and I don't think I don't think that's what the Lord had in mind when we read in Matthew chapter 16, verse number 18. Look up here. I will build my church. I, I don't think that's what Jesus was talking about. How about, how about you? Are you with me? I don't think that's what he had in mind when he when he said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. I don't think he had in mind something that would be, you know, just us four and no more. Something unhealthy. No, not at all. I think what he had in mind is what you see here in this text of Scripture. Right? 1 Thessalonians chapter number 1. Now, I'm laying a foundation for us. Last week we had said this. It's important for us to understand what the church is. And the church is, now pay attention to this, the church is a community, a community of Christ followers. Right? Right? Those of us who have put our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and we assemble together, we gather together, listen to this word, on purpose. Right? Hey, look, we, many of us came on purpose today. Right? I know some come because people are going to get baptized, and that's wonderful. But, for, but, but when you go back week after week after week, you go, you go on purpose. What's the purpose? Flip it up if you would, guys. Here's the purpose. We shared this with you last week. Here's our purpose. We gather for worship. Uh, we gather to learn about the Lord Jesus Christ. We gather to serve our Lord using our spiritual gifts. Are you with me? And we gather for fellowship. Amen. You know what fellowship is? I mean, it's like friendship. You just have so much in common, and we just like being around each other for the most part. You heard what somebody said, to live above with the saints above, that'll be glory. To live below with the saints we know, well, that's another story. <laughs> but, but fellowship's key, and it's important. And as a church, we are a community of Christ followers, and this is our purpose for being a church. <laughs> are you with me? It is. And what you find here in this text of Scripture is the church in Thessal Thessalonica, the Thessalonians, were embodying this. But not all churches do. Not all churches do. Did you ever hear the one, and, and Dr. Riddell didn't tell me this one, although he probably did years and years ago, and I forgot. Did you ever hear the one about the, 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 the pilot of the aircraft who got, air, it was a commercial airplane, he got on the loudspeaker and he said, ladies and gentlemen, this is your captain speaking. Recently, just a little bit ago, our navigational equipment has malfunctioned. As a result, we have no idea where we are and we have no idea where we're going. But I'm happy to tell you we're making good time. That seems to be the philosophy or maybe what many pastors could get up and say to the church on a Sunday morning. 
We have no idea where we're going. We have no idea where we're going. Huh? We're making good time, and we're having a good time, but we have no idea where we're going. And listen carefully. In the process, in the process of having that kind of a philosophy, we've not only lost direction, pay attention to this, we've lost our identity. Huh? Because we're, we, you know, we stick our finger out, the church leaders stick their finger out the window, and we test the temperature of churches today. And which direction is that going? And what, what's the newer, what's the older, where are we at? And, and before long, you, you lose your identity. Hello? And when, once you lose your identity, you lose your influence. You lose your purpose for being. And I don't want that to be the case here at OB. Right? I mean, what we're trying to do is we're just trying to be what God wants us to be, maintain our identity by keeping it fresh and relevant Amen. in the day and age in which we live. Are you with me? Amen. And so when you look at this church here, I think this, if you were to be able to attend, you would see that they were growing, they were motivated, and they were excited. They were an excited church. And, and when you study it, you'll find that their excitement is seen, it's visible in at least three things. I'm only going to give you one today. When you study this church, and we will in just a moment, and we're on, we're on key, so if you're a visitor here, we only go to one o'clock, so you're good. <laughs> no, I'm teasing. I'm very conscious of time. I promise you I am. Um, and I, that way, I tell you that because I don't want you to miss anything and figure, oh man, how long, much longer has he got to go? Not much. Now, I say that with tongue in cheek, not much, because we got a little bit to go, but I want you to get this. When you look at this church, Donald, you see their excitement in their worship. In their worship. Stay with me, guys. In their worship. Uh, let me talk to you just for a little bit about worship. We won't go any further today, I promise. That's all we're going to deal with this morning is worship. Okay? We'll look at a couple other things uh, next time. But I want to take a careful look at this subject because, pay attention to this statement. For us Christians, worship is a required course. It's a requirement that we worship God. Look at the words of Jesus on the screen. This, this, is the, this is Jesus speaking. He said what? He said, for the hour cometh and now is when the true worshipers, the true worshipers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. Look at the next statement. For the Father seeketh such to worship him. Amen. So you know what that says to me? That says this to me, that God requires us Amen. to worship him. Right? And so if God requires me to worship him, and when you get around church people, when you get around church, man, I tell you, all we hear is worship, worship, worship. What is worship? How can I do something that I just don't know? Right? What is worship? And that's key because when you look at worship, there's a whole lot of confusion and contention. Help me here. Contention in churches when it comes to that subject, you know, because we, we, we're afraid to give everybody a little space to worship God the way they feel they want to worship God, right? I mean, God forbid if we should sing a song and raise a hand, you know, right? I mean, that would be like, whoa, where are we going with that? Hello, right? Huh? 
or, or, or maybe the other way around. Maybe, maybe we get all upset because we like to be animated. We like to be emotional. But somebody just, I mean, they worship God and they're just stoic, right? Huh? I'm so happy in the service of the king. I am happy, oh, so happy. I have peace and joy that nothing else can bring in the service of the king. And I know what you're thinking. Well, then why don't you show it? But on the inside, they're jumping up and down and just going crazy. Hello? Right? We have the tendency to infringe upon and trespass other people's space when it comes to important matters like worship. We've got to be careful with that. We really do. And when you look at this text of Scripture here, you find this. Pay attention to this. The key to the worship in the church of of, of Thessalonica was not their instruments. You don't read anything about that. You don't read anything about their choir. You, 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 it doesn't say whether or not they had a song leader doing the one, two, three, one, two, three. Or if they had a worship team, like we do. No, no mention. You know why? Pay attention right here, church. It didn't matter. That was not the key to their worship. It wasn't their music. It wasn't the orchestra. It wasn't the instruments. It wasn't the... No, not at all. What mattered was this. Pay attention right here. Look up here. It's only an usher talking to my wife and telling her how beautiful she is. (laughs) Pay attention here. The key to their worship was that they did it in the Holy Spirit. Look, look at chapter number 1 again, verse 5. Our gospel came not unto you in word only, but also in what? Power and in the Holy Ghost. That was the key to their worship. Power and the Holy Ghost. We might say it this way. Pay attention here. Their worship had the touch of God upon it. Amen. We might say it this way. Pay attention here. God was all over that place. Hello? Don't you want to attend the church where God is all over that place? I mean to tell you, He attends services. And He's the one that orchestrates. Hello? See, you can't deny. When God steps in, you can't deny it was God. That's the kind of church I want to attend. How about you? I think it's the kind of church I do attend. I'm just glad to be a part of it. Now, let me highlight, because I like to educate you in my messages, let me highlight a couple things about worship that I think might help us on the way out the door this morning. Two key elements, two important aspects of worship are this. First, stay with me, guys, come on. First is the effectiveness of worship is not measured by atmosphere. Would you take that in, please? Would you think about that for a second? If you want, I don't mind you taking out a phone right now and taking a picture, any of these slides, because it'll help you to remember. The effectiveness of worship is not measured by atmosphere. Let me, let, me, let me comment about that. Biblical worship is not measured by the tempo of our songs. Go, go like this with me. Go ahead. Come on. Come on. It feels good. Biblical worship is not measured by the tempo of our songs. Uh, it's not measured by our created atmosphere. Huh? I like things to look nice. Huh? I tell you what I like, if I had my way, I'd have up here, this whole back wall would be one big screen. So that when I preach, I'm actually in the message. 
If I'm talking about the church, I mean, there's, there's the church up there, and I'm in it. And these guys would be so, I mean, it'd be flipping all over the place with me if I had my way. Huh? And maybe if I live long enough and if you keep being nice to me, we might have that one day. I think that's nice, right? Uh, but it, whether you do or don't, whether we have screens or not, whether we have lighting or not, by the way, you forgot to put the lights on, Tyler. You blew my whole message. You forgot the lights. You can't have worship without the lights. So now everything's dead because those lights aren't on. Huh? See, that's what we think. Uh, I was talking to somebody the other day. They were on vacation, went to a church, and as soon as they walked in, they had smoke machines. Smoke machines. And I thought, well, if we're going to have one, Brother Steve said, we ought to have it coming out of the baptismal tank, so it kind of just rolls over. <laughs> smoke machines. Am I, am I forward against it? It doesn't matter to me. If you have a church, you go to church, and you got smoke machines, praise the Lord. I, hopefully it doesn't cause you to get sick. You know, you don't choke on it. It doesn't matter to me what color lights you have. Why? Because true worship is not measured by created atmosphere. That's what we think today, and that's where where it's drawing all these young people. they got to go to church with smoke machines and fancy-schmancy lighting. Are you with? Come on now. Come on now. Get with the program. Look here. Uh, True worship has nothing to do with whether you have a pulpit or a podium. There's a book out. I read it. Great book called Who Moved My Pulpit? I'm not kidding you. That's, that's fact. I'll show you a copy of it. Who Moved My Pulpit? Pastor of a church one day went in and decided, you know what? I want to move the pulpit out. I want to put a podium. And he did. A couple weeks later, he was away, came back. Somebody put the old pulpit back. Yeah. Who moved? See, so we got all these true worship. The effectiveness of worship is not measured by atmosphere. Huh? So what is true worship? Go ahead, guys. Flip it. True worship. True worship is always measured by the response of a believer's heart to God. Did you get that? True worship. It's always measured by the response of a believer's heart to God. Nothing to do with atmosphere. Huh? Not only that, flip it again, guys. True worship. Look at this. True worship never allows us to remain the same person we were before we came into the presence of God. So if you came today and you have really a desire in your heart to worship God and you meet with God, you won't be the same when you leave here. Now, it doesn't mean you're going to be all that he wants you to be, but you won't be the same as when you came in. Why? Because you got into the presence of God, and you can't get into the presence of God and not have some kind of an impact in, in your life. How many agree with that? Huh? I like that. The second aspect is this. Here's the second aspect about, about true worship. Important aspect. The second is this. Flip it up, guys. The destination of worship is to meet God. So, the effectiveness of worship is not measured by atmosphere, and the destination of, of worship is to simply meet God. Amen. When you look at the church in Thessalonica, you saw they were excited. They, there was an excitement about them, and their excitement, their excitement was visible in their worship. In fact, if we were to be on vacation 
and were to visit Thessalonica back in the day, we would have went there. That would have been our vacation church. And if you'd have moved to Thessalonica, you'd have joined that church. Why? It was growing. It was motivated. It was, it was exciting. People there worshiped God. Are you with me? Isn't that the kind of church we want OB to be? Huh? It's what we were, and it's what we're going to continue to be. A growing, motivated, exciting church. And by the way, excitement can't just be on the platform. And that's why I say to you all the time, say amen, Tim. Because when people come in and they hear you saying, amen, praise the Lord, that's good, that's wonderful, yeah. They know you're getting it, you're excited about it. Amen? You failed the test. I just said, amen. You said, amen. We're with you, Pastor. Amen. <laughs> Listen carefully. I'm, I'm almost through. When you, when you go on a journey, you make preparations. And worship is a journey. Right? You know, you go, you're going to go on vacation. You, you make preparations. You're going on vacation. You're going to take a trip and make preparations. You're on a journey. And worship is a journey. There's a text of Scripture in Ecclesiastes chapter number 5. We'll continue with this next time, but I want to highlight it today. That talks about Solomon, the wise man Solomon, right? Speaks about, you know, encountering God in Ecclesiastes 5. And, and, and I, I just pulled it out as being, flip it if you would, pre-worship, go again, pre-worship instruction. Pre-worship instruction. Huh? Which means this, I need to get ready to worship God. I need to prepare to worship God. How do you do it? You prepare to meet with God. You prepare to meet with God. Look at the Bible verse. You don't have to turn there. Ecclesiastes 5.1. Keep thy foot when thou goest, where? To the house of God. Be more ready to hear than to give sacrifice to fools, for they consider not. What does he say? Keep thy foot. You know what he's saying there? You need to prepare to meet with God. We'll talk about this a little bit next time. Prepare to meet with God. When you leave your house on Sunday morning, you need to prepare yourself to go and meet with God. Instead of, man, we're running late. we got to get there. Somebody's going to take my seat. I'm due to sing this morning. I'm I'm ushering today. i got to teach that class. Hello? Man, you get in here. First thing you do is check your email. You're not prepared to meet with God. Huh? Talk about that a little bit next week. He goes on and says this. You need to prepare to hear from God. Prepare to hear from God. That same Bible verse. Listen to what he said. Go back again, guys. Keep thy foot when thou goest to the house of God. Be more ready to what? Hear. Be more ready to hear. You know something? Let me tell you something about hearing. Listening is a disciplined activity. you got to be disciplined to listen. Huh? Already this morning, and this was not on purpose, but already this morning, and I think maybe this is why I played into it, there were, there were a couple of distractions. Right or wrong? Huh? Somebody came in a little bit late getting baptized. I'm glad you came this morning. God bless you. But you know what happened when you walked in? Everybody said, who is that? <laughs> so everybody, we are so easily distracted. Huh? I mean, I could have been up here, and I could have been blowing smoke rings from a, from a cigar, and you'd have been attracted to her. <laughs> and then, then an usher came down the aisle. Oh, boy, where's he going? What's he doing? Come on, help me out here. 
And here's the thing. When you get that distraction, it's hard to get it back. Because you have no idea what that usher was doing over there. And now you're thinking, is Mrs. Genesee's car on fire? Huh? Right? And then you have the internal distractions. Are you with me? Did you ever do this? I know you're too spiritual to admit it. But there are times when I read my Bible, and I mean to tell you I'm reading my Bible, when all of a sudden something flashes across the page. Huh? Like, like trout or bass. During fishing season, right, Craig? And I mean to tell you, I'm reading 1 Thessalonians chapter number 1, but man, I'll tell you what, all I see is trout and bass and large mouth and small mouth and crappie, and I'm fishing. I got my waders on. I'm in the middle of a creek someplace fishing. I'm on a boat, you know, in the middle of some Florida bay, you know, catching tarpon. And all of a sudden I said, wait a second, I better get back to reading that text. And I go to reading again. You know, years ago I used to have a Harley Davidson. Did you, you, did you know that? I did. Amen. I wish I had it still today. But I did. And you know, when I first got that bike, all I thought about was that bike. It was beautiful. I was pastoring the church. And, and, you know, when I would read my Bible, Joe, when I read my Bible sometimes, I promise you, in the, right in the middle of the chapter, my Harley Davidson would go right, right by. <laughs> and sometimes my wife would be on it, riding it. My son-in-law, Jason, had it out for a ride. Distractions. You know what happens sometimes you come to church? If we're not careful and not prepared, go back. Not prepared to hear. Go back. Not prepared to hear. Come on, guys, go back. Here you go. Not prepared to hear. We don't hear. We don't hear. And then finally, here's the third one. Prepare to humble yourself before God. Look at the next verse. Look at verse 2. Be not rash with thy mouth. Let not thine heart be hasty to utter anything before God. For God is where? In heaven and you're upon earth. Let thy words be few. Now that, that doesn't mean this. That doesn't mean God's in heaven and he left us here on earth. No, it means this. God's in control of everything. And we need to humble ourselves before him if we're going to worship him. Does that make sense? So I'm trying to hurry to get this, get this finished. We'll pick it up again here next week. Listen carefully and I'm finished. I'm not sure what your perspective is on the church, but I would hope it's a biblical one. I hope you, you know and believe that the church is a community of Christ's followers. And when we meet, we meet on purpose. And we said it a little bit ago, our purpose is to worship God. Our purpose is to learn about the Lord Jesus Christ our purpose is to serve him and use our spiritual gifts, and our purpose is to fellowship with other believers. It's our desire as leaders here at Open Bible that we afford you as church members, as guests, the opportunities to worship him. Right? That's what, it's all, it's all, it all functions for that reason. That's why we sing the songs. That's why we preach the messages. That's why right now we're going to have a closing invitation. That way it gives you a chance to worship God. Because that's our whole purpose for existing. Amen? If you haven't done so already, please fill out a digital connection card so we know how to better serve you this week. For encouragement throughout your week, you can listen to past sermons by searching Open Bible Baptist Church on the Apple Podcast or Google Play Store. If you'd like to give today, you could give online at openbiblenj.org. Thanks again for joining us today. We'll see you on the next broadcast.